Before we begin, I've got a little disclaimer from legal. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the interviewees and do not represent the opinions of the National Restaurant Association and its affiliates. This podcast is not intended to provide medical or legal advice, but may present suggested practices for restaurateurs to help prevent the spread of the COVID-19 viral disease. Adherence to any suggestions cannot ensure prevention of infection and should not be interpreted as setting the standard of care or be deemed inclusive of all proper methods or practices. Podcast listeners are urged to follow the requirements and recommendations of federal, state, and local authorities. Pursuant to Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC guidance, COVID-19 is generally considered to be spread from person to person by respiratory droplets and not generally by food or packaging. Given the rapidly evolving nature of the pandemic, guidance may change as our understanding changes of the unique challenges that COVID-19 poses within each country, state, and locality. Now on with the show. Welcome to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Helen Jane Hearn, Senior Director of Content and Total Pizza Enthusiast. The pizza industry has had extraordinary foresight into pandemic economics, and we wanted to look more closely at the decisions leading up to March 2020. So this week, I spoke with Eric Greenwald, President of Grimaldi's Pizza, along with CEO of Fresh Brothers, Jeff Goodman, about what the pizza industry has to teach the rest of us about leadership, food safety, and positive employee energy. Grab a slice and listen in. So, Eric and Jeff, if you could introduce yourselves. Maybe, Eric, you go first. Sure, absolutely. So my name is Eric Greenwald. I am the president of Grimaldi's Pizzeria. been in the industry for about 27 years now. Uh, a little bit about Grimaldi's. Uh, Grimaldi's is accredited for being one of the first pizzerias in the United States. And uh, that goes all the way back to the early 1900s. Our first location was in Brooklyn, uh, New York, where we still sits under the Brooklyn Bridge. So uh, we got together, my, uh, Joe Scioli, who's our CEO, uh, we got together in early 2002 um, after his family uh, purchased the original Grimaldi's from uh, the Grimaldi family. And uh, we got together in 2003. We opened up our first location in Scottsdale, Arizona in 2003. And uh, currently we have uh, 43 locations in 13 states, uh, five signed uh, locations in Dubai. And recently, and I love talking about this, we were named one of the iconic brands for Lay's potato chips. So now we can even get Grimaldi's in a potato chip. So very cool. And then currently we're just out there right now looking for some opportunities and uh, looking to grow the brand because of this, uh, some of the success. So I'm sure Jeff and I will be talking about today, uh, but we're out there looking for uh, more locations right now. That's great. Jeff, tell me a little bit about where you're coming from. Yeah, sure. So uh, Jeff Goodman, I'm the CEO of Fresh Brothers Pizza. Uh, been in the restaurant industry a little over 20 years with a few different brands and, and thrilled to have joined Fresh Brothers in January of this year to help lead growth uh, of a concept that uh, is really well positioned, actually, for these crazy times. The brand was founded about 12 years ago. We, uh, As of today, we have 21 locations throughout L.A. County and down through Orange County, even down towards San Diego. Uh, we actually opened up a, a new restaurant in a, a ghost kitchen uh, in Pasadena um, back in May, um, so right down sort of in the middle of the uh, pandemic. 
but we serve a very high quality pizza, fantastic products, use great ingredients, uh, and really have some terrific locations throughout the LA area, Beverly Hills, Manhattan Beach, some really high profile locations. So a number of great Southern California influencers that are followers, and we really have a good time serving our communities and, and offering up just a, a great product to our to our consumer. So we're, we're having some fun um, throughout all this. We're really blessed and really fortunate, I think, to, to be in the place that we are with you know, over 80% of our business, even pre-pandemic, was coming through delivery and carryout. Um, so for us, it was not nearly as uh, heavy a pivot um, as some other brands had to go through. And and we, uh, we've we been very fortunate and to, uh, to have held and even grown sales throughout this uh, crazy period of time that we're all living through. Well, I mean, you've talked about how, you know, 80% of your business was already the kind of business that you, most restaurants would have had to pivot to. Um, from what I'm seeing, it looks like the pizza industry, they've always been innovators in technology. And I mean, from front of the house to how the orders have been processed to managing the logistics of delivery. How has that helped both of you guys since what's happened in March? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think for us, you know, early on, as people sort of shifted under the stay at home orders to being quarantined and, and people were adjusting to this new normal that we're all living through, there were a number of things that shifted. I think the guess um, was going online and finding out new places to eat. And, and uh, I, I think, you know, as we uh, looked at our technology stack and I, I think we had to lean into our, the equities that we built around uh, delivery and carry out process uh, to make a really seamless order experience for the guests. Um, so, but one of the things we did early on is, is take a look at every single digital touch point we had with the consumer and said, all right, how do we do better? Because it's it's now more important than ever to make sure that our guests are are, are not you know, hitting impediments in the ordering process and interacting with our brand. Um, so we went through and took a look at that and um, and, and made some adjustments uh, and looked at where we can enhance the use of technology. As an example, within 24 hours of the stay-at-home order being issued throughout LA, we had already added curbside pickup um, and contactless delivery to our options. So um, we were immediately doing that. In addition to all the other sanitation measures that that we put in place, we were the first ones out here wearing gloves and masks and and all of those types of things and offering sanitizers. So, but you know, specifically around the use of technology, I, I think you know we had a great base to build upon. Um, we didn't need to to go out and build a uh, a native delivery platform and a native online ordering platform. We already have that in place. And you know, I, I think that we're we're continuing to look at ways to enhance our technology stack, but and we're doing that process right now. But that's an ongoing effort that every brand should be going through, quite frankly. But um, but for us, it was an easier pivot than most because we already had a, at least a baseline of technology built in that we could leverage. Eric, how has technology impacted your last five months? I mean, Jeff was eloquent and not really much to add on that because we, we again, we, him and I talked so much and I'll, I'll add that in a second. Um, but really for the technology piece, we had a lot of it in place. Um, you know, our biggest challenge was we were trying to convince 80% of our dine-in because we're, we're a full service dine-in uh, pizzeria. So our, our biggest thing uh, was how do we convince or how do we, how do we get out to all of our fans how do we you know, convince them now who are normally used to come dining in to now pick up or here's the things that we're offering. So um, increasing, you know, that volume of communication to our Grimaldi's fans was, was a big part. But, you know, what I said earlier, or we were talking um, 
you know, maybe not a technology thing, but commodities or pizza in general was already doing many things that uh, was pre-pandemic that we adapted very quickly. But the one thing about pizza that people should know, and especially about what we do, and, and even Jeff and I, is that we communicate. And communication, even though it's just a normal technology, but it is a part of technology. And Jeff and I were talking almost every week um, about ideas and uh, hits and, and wins and misses and things that they were doing and I was sharing. And, and it wasn't just Jeff. I mean, I was talking to multiple brands, either locally or nationally, about what they're doing and what's been successful. So good old-fashioned communication and picking up our phone was really some of the best, uh, if you want to say leg up, or you know, really uh, things that helped Grimaldi's uh, adapt even quicker was Everybody in the pizza industry was so helpful to each other and talking about best practices that we just used good old fashioned communication. And it was a win for not only us, but we shared with, with others, again, our wins and our misses. And I think it, it was, it was great to help others as well through just a, a just a crazy, a crazy time. Well, it sounds like even, you know, you've got the inter industry communication, but you are also communicating with your audience. Eric, as you said, your fans uh, and your customers, um, has your marketing evolved? If so, how has your communication out to your audience evolved? Oh, yeah. I mean, to the point I made earlier, convincing 80% of our dining folks to, you know, come and uh, pick up on either curbside and explain to them what we have. So we did increase. We, we increased our, what we call our EVIPs. Um, so those are our, our Grimaldi's fans. And we increased our communication. In a normal world, you wouldn't want to over-communicate because then they'll start, you know, wanting to uh, click out of, of that. So, but we did. They were, they were looking for that information. Um, so we, we told them all the great things we were doing. We told them about the curbside delivery. We told them that we're minimal you know, maintaining the CDC, all the CDC standards and, and giving them examples and really uh, telling them what we were doing in the stores and uh, how we were going to handle certain situations. You know, so a, a lot of that was a big part of our, our marketing was just the communication piece and making the guests feel comfortable and safe, whether it be eventually coming back in when, you know, when there's some of the restrictions were, were lifted and or, you know, for that curbside or uh, delivery, as well as our communication to our, our great third party delivery uh, partners out there, which is DoorDash and Uber and, and Grubhub and all the ones that we, we use. We let them know that we were communicating with them what our standards were and making sure that they were a match. And, and every single one of them was above and beyond. So, you know, so we, we definitely increased the volume of uh, communication between us and the Grimaldi's fan. And then hopefully that was brain mannered. And again, to Jeff's point earlier, we've been extremely fortunate. Jeff, has, has your marketing changed? And it has to. I mean, it, and, and it has to continue to change, I think. I think, you know, in addition to what Eric said, and he had a lot of great points in there that and very similar responses that we had in terms of, um, you know, we, we also were really sensitive in a number of ways to the guests becoming a little bit more of a value seeker. And not that we had just to discount everything across our menu, but certainly acknowledging through daily deals that we began putting out there about select menu items and, and even deeper discounts on certain days of the week, um, that we got a lot of great feedback from our consumer about, hey, we appreciate you recognizing that these times are tough um, and, and doing something about it. That was a significant move for us in a way that we really hadn't done previously. And I think it's, it's paid off, uh, not just simply by dealing our way to higher sales, but by demonstrating a compassion to the guests that I think they really connected with. And I think that went hand in hand with our other evolution of the way we marketed, which was getting kind of 
back to just grassroots, being in the community and looking and finding ways to partner and giving back during difficult times. And I'll, I'll just share a quick story. You know, on the very first day of the stay-at-home order, I got a, uh, personally, I got a phone call. I don't know how they got my number from some random person in the community. I said, look, I want to buy pizzas for my local hospital. And I said, that's great. My, my immediate reaction back to the person was, well, that's fantastic. Then whatever you buy, we're going to match and, and we'll, we'll match whatever you donate. And he said, that's amazing. That's fantastic. So within a few minutes, that became a social post that we put out there to the community saying anybody who wanted to donate to hospitals, first responders, uh, you name it, we started doing it. And we've donated thousands of pizzas. We had players from the Rams, the Chargers, the Golden State Warriors, all of whom personally delivered pizzas through that program to pizza uh, first responders. We had a, uh, a senior housing community who raised over $1,000 to buy and donate pizzas, which of course we matched um, to their local grocery store for taking such good care of them throughout the pandemic. So, and I could go on and on and on of examples like that, where my feeling early on was, you know, the more you show your heart as a brand through tough times, uh, the more the guest is going to uh, begin to trust you and, and trust that you have their your best intentions. And and I think that builds equity in your brand. And And I certainly am convinced that that has happened throughout the pandemic. And I don't mean to make that sound opportunistic. We would have done it without um, any benefit to the brand. But, um, you know, I I think there's a lesson there, which is uh, no matter what your obstacles you're facing, as long as you do the right thing, that pays back in in time. So, you know, and we haven't shifted our marketing to look opportunistic of those opportunities. It's been much more of of celebrating the, the opportunities we've had to give back to first responders and um, and very sensitive to looking at it as a, an opportunistic kind of play, which is not. It's It really does come from the heart. Yeah, it seems like the content has changed, but also the frequency. And both of those were natural evolutions for the times. It wasn't necessarily something you had to force. It was what the times called for. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. absolutely. No, I saw all the great posts that Jeff and Fresh Brothers put out. And when you see those and... You know, in a in a world of uncertainty and what is going on, when you see those kind of posts, whether it be from us or them, it, it makes you feel good. It gives you that few moments of of uh, satisfaction, happiness, you know, and you see uh, people who really appreciate what we're doing for them. Um, you know, we partnered with No Kid Hungry and we were doing stuff for the kids in the schools and, and same thing. And when you do that and you see uh, the posts and you see the smiles, it just gives you a moment and when, when it's a little crazy out there. Um, it gives you a little moment of, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, that feels good. You know, and I just also share that, you know, I, I think it was great for our teams as well. Once we sort of got past that initial first week of, oh my God, is everybody going to have a job? Um, and we, we, we got through that stabilization period and we realized, okay, we're going to be okay. You know, let's, let's tweak the things. We don't have to lay off everybody and do all those things. We're very fortunate. But I, I think what ended up happening is, you know, even when we were asking for people to I won't say put themselves in harm's way, but we were asking them to work in an environment that especially early on in the pandemic, not knowing what was really going on, it was unsettling. Let's put it like that. And the more we gave, the more excited people were to stay at work and want to come in and do their shift because they saw the good we were doing in the community and they felt really fortunate to be a part of that. So I don't want to speak for our team members. That was certainly the sense we got back of they started looking for opportunities to give back. And, you know, one quick example, we had a team member who got a phone call from a, um, um, a woman who was taking care of a senior parent 
who had some strong underlying conditions, cancer and whatnot. And, um, you know, we, I love it when things like this happen, where the managers took it upon themselves to personally deliver the order, comp the entire thing, you know, brought plates and food and all that, left it at their doorstop. And the woman was just almost in tears of how appreciative we were for the measures that we took to take care of them. And we never posted about that, but, but more than anything, the team knew it. And the team saw what we could do as a, as a company and about impacting the community, impacting people. And I think that's wonderful. And I, I, that leads to a, a stronger culture and, a, and, and the right kind of culture that can carry our brand forward. And Eric, the work that Eric done and Grimaldi's has done with No Kid Hungry is it's a huge fabric of what they do um, at that company and, and the good, good that they've done millions, over a million dollars. Eric, I think you guys have raised for No Kid Hungry over the years. I mean, it's unbelievable. Tell me more about that, Eric. So about seven years ago, we I was um, introduced to No Kid Hungry, Share Our Strength for uh, No Kid Hungry, and um, I joined the, uh, the advisory board and was asked to actually chair it for two years, uh, which was pretty a, a highlight of my career. I mean, the fact that I got to do that, and I'm still on the uh, board, so you're allowed to do it for two years, and then you step down, and they have uh, new chairs come in with some great ideas. And so last year, we reached the million-dollar mark in uh, raising um, dollars for them. But during this time, uh, this year's a big year. Uh, this pandemic has really affected millions of children. And these children depend on schools for some of their, their meals. And when you don't go to school, you don't eat. And uh, so what Share Strength has done over the last few, I mean, I, I follow them uh, religiously on, on you know, all LinkedIn and, and all, all the different social media. And we have uh, meetings uh, at pretty much every other month. And I'll tell you what they have done and the areas that they have opened up and allowed even schools or cafeterias or churches or wh- wherever it is to for these children to get meals um, is unbelievable. We're talking real tears, um, seeing the, the some of the pictures of, of these children eating. It, it's unbelievable. So this year for Share of Strength, which starts September 1st, goes September 1st to September 30th um, for No Kid Hungry. And we'll be hitting it hard and we'll be dressed in our orange here at all of our stores. And we'll be trying to raise as much money um, as we can for them because this, for me, it's, this, is a, this is an important year for them. If you wanted to get involved, how would you help support it? Um, I, just contact them. I mean, uh, you just go around the website. You can just make a direct donation. You can call me at my office. Uh, call me on my cell. I don't Reach out to me via email. I will introduce anyone and everybody to this charity. I mean, what they do is the stories I could tell. I mean, you don't even realize it. I mean, when you, when you're a part of a a program like this or or a charity like this, and you, you get to meet not only the children there, but then you find out that people you worked with, people, you know, uh, people you would never think were were those children. um, Boy, it hits home. Um, and talking about exactly what Jeff was talking about, building a culture and uh, uh, an energy. You know, we talk about energy here at Grimaldi's, a, a positive energy. It's it's unbelievable. It really is. And then you help you help a child, you know, so it's unbelievable. Really is cool. This September, the National Restaurant Association launches Meg Talks. Short, data-packed forums for restaurant industry marketers. Join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on Tuesdays and 3 p.m. Thursdays from September 8th through October 1st. Register today at restaurant.org. Well, speaking of children, pizza's always tended to be family food. 
um, and food that you, you do eat in your house. Has this changed at all over the last five months or is that just a place that you were well positioned? I would say that we were we were extremely well positioned, both, you know, not just Fresh Brothers or Grimaldi's, any pizzeria, um, anything that that feeds families. Um, and I know Jeff was very successful with this. Fresh Brothers, I was we were extremely successful, you know, during a pandemic when mom and dad are, are worried about, you know, what are we going to do with the children? How are we going to do this? We're, you know, are we going to get furloughed ourselves and what's going on? Uh, Jeff mentioned it a minute ago. We put together some what we called our family bundles. Um, and we made it extremely easy for uh, mom and dad on the way home to order a certain size amount of food for a, a discounted price. We did. Um, we were very price sensitive on these bundles. We made it very easy to order, very easy to pick up. And they were they ranged anywhere from twenty five to forty five dollars. We even threw in a date night one, you know, so, you know, mom and dad could have a date night and feel like they're on a date, even though they're still sitting in the living room. But we, we really catered. Um, to the ease of ordering, making sure it's all family style and uh, it fed plenty of people for a very reasonable price. So, and I know I, I follow obviously uh, Fresh Brothers as well. And I know Jeff, and he'll speak to it, uh, did a lot of the same. We did. Yeah. I think the, you know, the, the value deals that we offer to families and, and all that, that, that certainly helps. And, um, you know, I, I think people, especially during these times, are, are patronizing brands that they trust to spend their harder money and money that is more probably valued now than it was pre pandemic. Right. So a little tighter now in the wallet, um, you know, some other things that we've done though, I think to appeal to families is, um, you know, being sensitive to uh, the fact that everybody was looking for something to do while they were at home, not just eat. Um, we all certainly ate a lot uh, during the pandemic, <laughs> probably drank a lot during the pandemic, um, but people are always looking for things to do. They got bored. Um, so we actually did a couple of movie partnerships um, with the release of um, some home video opportunities for people to buy um, either get free or, or really inexpensive copies of um, some really famous uh, you know, movies. So um, we did a, uh, a Caddyshack uh, movie promo um, um, over Father's Day. We did um, another partnership uh, just recently, actually, um, with uh, Lionsgate Films around the, um, the release of, of the latest um, version of the Twilight series, um, um, which was great. Um, we did another one with uh, some superhero movies, uh, and we have a few more movie partnerships coming out in the next few months that are that are really kind of cool. I mean, it, really, the point there is just to you know say, hey, you know, pizza and a movie for the family. Uh, no better way to spend some quality time um, with the kids at home. And I'm look, I'm a, I'm a parent of two uh, two girls, so anytime we can, you know, grab a pizza at home and watch a good movie, that's pretty awesome. So, you know, it wasn't about how many movies got downloaded. That's wasn't ever the point. It was about hey. This, this is a fun family time food. It's a fun family time experience. And while you're stuck at home and with the uh, pandemic going on, you might as well take advantage of the opportunity to create some memories in that regard. And I know I've got a lot of great memories of my family. Just hunkered down in the movie room, kind of watching a film and um, eating a little food. And, and there's no better food for that than pizza. Anything to get the boys off Fortnite. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. If I have to star in one more TikTok video, I'm going to go a little crazy. So that's, uh, <laughs> but think of all yeah. the moves. Think of all the moves you've learned. Um, yeah, yeah Jeff, no, they, Jeff, you don't want that. Seen those. Can you share those with us today? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to keep that one reserved. Yeah, we can link to those in the back. show notes. <laughs> yeah. I think that's yeah. a great idea. Well, you were talking, Eric, about family bundles. And I've noticed that a lot of restaurants have limited their menu due to supply chain issues. And, you know, making sure you can actually source the ingredients you need to make your stuff. It seems like the pizza industry has not been too hard hit by these supply chain and 
issues that have hit other types of restaurants harder. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, um, having a limited menu or expanding your menu or how you've made menu choices right now? First and foremost, we, we were very fortunate. We didn't really have any supply chain um, issues. Uh, mo- a lot of our products are proprietary. Um, so we ordered them direct or making them ourselves. So that being said, uh, we did up the communication with our main, you know, broadline distributors. And um, we made sure that, you know, it was interesting because we were talking about a lot of the ingredients. And then all of a sudden, when they closed the dining rooms, we're like, oh, we better make sure we have enough to go materials, you know, enough logoed Grimaldi's boxes and, you know, the clamshells for the salads and whatnot. So uh, we we were making sure that all of our, um, uh, whether it be Ed Don or uh, PFG Romos, who we work with, you know, and the communication was great. They made sure that we had all of our inventory. We did have to adjust some par levels, obviously, um, but our, our management team and our area managers made those adjustments quickly. And, um, you know, we ordered uh, appropriately. So, um, but uh, we were very fortunate with that. We had no issues whatsoever um, with anything being short or shortages up. I did hear of other restaurant chains that did have issues. Um, but overall, and I, I obviously won't speak for Fresh Buzz, but Jeff had never uh, shared that they had anything. But um, uh, overall, no, Grimaldi's uh, didn't feel that at all. So, um, you know, we, we were fortunate in that in those realms as well. Yeah, we, we, we were fortunate as well. I mean, I'll, I'll say we had a few instances where things got a little tight on supply chain side of things, whether it be wings or things of that nature, that at certain moments, um, there was some little bit of anxiety, perhaps, of whether or not we were going to have an order filled. But look, by and large, our, our supplier partners did a really nice job of rallying to the cause and finding us uh, finding us supply if and when there was an issue. And I can only think of a couple of instances where it was. Really, I think more on the supply chain side of things for us, we were really influenced by the commodity markets. I mean, cheese just went berserk during May, June, July, and, and just now has has it fallen um, almost as fast uh, in terms of prices and as it rose, um, which is great. Um, but that was really our biggest influencer. And that, that put pressure on us, you know, throughout that period. I mean, with combining cheese price increase along with all the PPE we had to buy, the masks and the sanitizer and all the other investments in plexiglass, which, you know, I want to go out and buy a plexiglass company for all the money that they're making right now. But it's really, those influences were really challenging. But less about the availability of supply, more just simply about the, you know, the cost impact and just, you know, looking at market dynamics out there influencing costs. But but we've been fortunate. I think a lot of pizza players have been uh, fortunate. Um, and I would say for throughout the supply chain, I think that the vendors really responded well and and recognized early on that that pizza was going to be uh, a key player. And uh, they stocked up supplies. And we did some of the same things that Eric did, which is bring in a little. We have, we're fortunate to have a commissary at our headquarters where we where we have the opportunity to fill supply to our stores in addition to our supply chain partner. So we, we brought in a few pallets of a number of key ingredients, another, another number of key um, SKUs that we carry, pepperoni and sauce and flour and things like that. So um, as a little bit of backup, we ended up not needing it, but better, uh, you know, ounce of prevention, pound of cure, right? So um, we, were, we were fortunate. It also seems like communication, although that increased frequency also affected your marketing and your workforce, it's also affecting your relationships with your vendors. Yeah. Vendors, guests, and the other big one, and Jeff mentioned, is our, uh, our employees. 
you know, letting them know all the things that we were doing and they were going to be safe. I mean, Jeff was uh, spot on when he talked about that uncertainty or that uncertain feeling. Like, what what is our protocol if, if there is a positive case or are we mandating masks or, or are we going to turn away a guest if he or she comes in without a mask? And what, what are our standards? Um, so that communication, uh, Joe, our CEO, he puts out a, um, a, a letter every uh, pretty much every month to our staff or, or as needed. Um, we Plenty of ad hoc co- communication has gone out. Uh, we still meet as a group, as a leadership team, three times a week. We meet with our store level uh, three times a week. So communication has absolutely been a enormous key uh, contributor to the success of my our commodities or any restaurant um, to get through this right now. And of course, workforce safety is of the highest priority. But I think also the food safety is a huge priority as well. Has the preparation of your food, like have you had to make any big changes when it came to food safety? You know, we we haven't had to make any drastic changes. I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're using all the PPE, the gloves, the masks, the hand wash timers where every 30 minutes it goes up, wash our hands, all, all those types of things that are the basics, you know, sanitation and hygiene, you know, steps, we've, we've taken all those. In terms of the basic food safety, we haven't. Um, we, ha- we have actually um, just recently um, worked on a couple of interesting projects. We've, we've partnered with a company out here that's working on a, a pizza delivery bag that is that inside of it has the lighting that kills the virus um, and actually looking at a, a, a pizza case um, that we would um, uh, to use the UV lights to to kind of at least, you know, kill the virus on the outside of the, the pizza boxes and whatnot. So we're tinkering in that area to see if there's some new technology we can bring to the table that would that would add to the confidence level that the guests have about us. And so I, I think that's those, those are really positive moves. But from a food safety standpoint, no, we haven't really done all that much other than I will say um, take advantage of the opportunity while we've had our team's attention to go back and retrain on food safety and just how important it is that that the eyes are upon us. And so I think it's less about us putting measures in place because they already were there. It's more about reinforcing them so that when a guest happens to be in our restaurant, which is happening a lot less lately, but when they are there and they see us working in the back of the house and our kitchens are fairly open, they are Grimaldi's as well, um, that people see us taking all the necessary steps. And I think that was probably the, uh, the biggest refocus for us. It's not something about new, it's about a refocus. Yeah, we, we use the opportunity absolutely to retrain and, and go through each of the things. Because we're in so many states, you know, 13 states, what we do and, and we put in place years ago, whatever the highest standard is in whatever state, we make that our ba- our baseline. Um, so uh, as long as obviously another state doesn't have an issue with that. Uh, so health codes or anything like that that we hear or see that makes sense for us and the state we're in, we make that the baseline. Um, we had a full team constantly monitoring all the CDC guidelines. Um, our director of training, Jeff, he was on that literally every day and reviewing all of that uh, consistently. But as for any standards, no. I mean, uh, uh, same as Jeff, uh, you know, obviously we implemented the masks and the gloves and the, the timers. And uh, we even uh, we even invested in some of the um, stand up um, uh, temperature changer, uh, temperature gauges that you just walk in, put your head in front of and and it takes your temperature. So some of the areas that we're in um, were uh, some, of, you know, some of the local governments were, were mandating those for employees and guests. So we had bought some of that. 
but overall, no, we didn't make a, a lot of changes at all. We just made sure that we followed. And uh, we, we did, once again, communicate more often uh, that, to just point, the awareness of our guests watching and looking. Uh, I mean, listen, it's no fun wearing those masks. I, I mean, um, the first day they did it, I, I literally put one of the masks on and I went to one of the, the local Grimaldi's and I worked a five-hour shift expoing right in front of the oven. And I wanted to see if, if the, I'm asking them to do it. I wanted to see how it felt for me. And I'll tell you, it was, it was really bad. I mean, it was not fun. But you know what? This is our life. And I will say that our employees have been really, really great with it. But, you know, there's reminders out there. Um, and we see it not only in our restaurants, but others. But um, overall, everybody's spirits up, great energy. They're happy to be back at work and um, excited that we've been as fortunate as we've been um, at Grimaldi. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Well, we've got about five minutes left. And I want to thank you guys for a really fascinating conversation. But the last question I want to ask you is um, to both of you, we can start with you, Jeff. Um, what are you hopeful about? When it comes to coming out of the pandemic, what do you have hope about when it comes to the restaurant industry? It's such an interesting question. I mean, there's so many things that I'm hopeful for. I, first of all, I think that the restaurant industry, just in general, is an unbelievably resilient and innovative industry. I mean, I, I've heard some people get on podcasts and talk about the almost like the impending doom of American restaurants. That's just not the case. I mean, there are definitely some brands out there, some restaurants out there that that probably were weak going into the pandemic, I hate to say it like that, that that are no longer around. Um, and some others that were on life support previously that just aren't gonna make it. Um, and that's just a reality. Um, and the restaurant industry is in general, fairly overbuilt. Um, and probably, there was probably a shakeout at some point coming and this just kind of moved it along. But what I'm hopeful for is, you know, that the, the restaurant industry is gonna stay resilient and stay innovative I think that the health and sanitation measures that have been put in place by so many chains and, and we're learning from other chains every day about what more we can do, I think those measures will stay in place. Um, I don't think, everybody keeps talking about when are we going to return to normal, and I don't think that's going to ever happen. I, I think that we're in the normal, and the normal is going to continue to evolve the more we come to learn about the virus and the more that you know safety and sanitation has become table stakes in restaurants. And it Probably something that was taken for granted before. And it used to be, you know, look at the environment and the experience first and food second. And then, yeah, sure, food's got to be safe, too. But I think, you know, that's table stakes now. And you got to be there and you got to you got to be a brand that people trust. So, you know, I think what I'm hoping for is a great future. I think that there is a pent up demand for um, for human interaction. I think there's a pent up demand to go out to restaurants and, and have an experience but I also think, at least from us, we're, you know, we've probably in some ways benefited by people staying at home. But I also think that we've, where I'm hopeful that a lot of that, that equity we've built up with the consumer is going to remain behind um, after uh, things open back up again. And they will, um, because, you know, we've shown our true, we've shown our heart during the pandemic. And I think those relationships will stay intact. And frankly, I'm uh, extraordinarily optimistic and we're looking for growth. We're going to grow and I, I want to take our brand more places and open more locations. So I think the future is incredibly bright. That's fantastic. Eric, what are you hopeful about? You know, I, I think if you take a few steps back, I think we were seeing a lot of changes in the way people uh, look at restaurants pre-COVID. When we opened Grimaldi's, we were at about a 10% to-go rate and 90% dine-in. You know, over the last probably two years, we saw a huge change in that. 
you know, with the DoorDashes and the Uber Eats out there and all that change. So we were on our way to change anyway. Um, I think that uh, to Jeff's point, I think people do enjoy going out to restaurants. I love, I mean, I love room service. I love being waited on. I think it's great. Nothing makes me happier than walking into a, my favorite restaurant and they know what I want to eat, what I want to drink, and they know what my kids want. And I mean, making you feel really special. And I think people are, are wanting that again. Um, you hear it. You hear when people come in, they, they, they missed that interaction with their favorite server or their man, favorite manager or that favorite spot or that favorite meal. Um, I'd like to believe that all food is great to go, uh, but it's not. And it's not just pizza. It's French fries. It's hamburgers. It's, you know, whatever it is. I, I'd like to believe that we're going to be a little more innovative on our to-go packaging. I'd like to believe that we're going to learn from this. You know, uh, I believe that there was a lot of learning lessons of things that, uh, whether it be Grimaldi's or any other restaurant, that we were doing a lot of things right. But we have a lot to learn because this could happen. This could be our new norm. Um, and we're going to have to continue to do this. So I hope that we, we learn from this. Everybody learn from it. Um, I hope that uh, we do have another new sense of normalcy because people want to feel normal again. You know, they want to feel safe. They want to go out. You know, I do. I watch you know, a lot of different programs and I see that consumer confidence is, you know, it was you know, low, then it was increasing, then it was deep. So it's, it's kind of been doing the wave. And I'd like to see that. Uh, I, I really hope that that starts improving because, you know, I'd like to see our servers uh, making their tips and I'd like to see them all coming back to work. And I'd like to see full restaurants and, and things. I, I know that's going to come and that might take time. But, the, you know, the, the learning lessons that we need to take from this is, um, you know, it, it was we were getting hints about it prior uh, with the way that people were di- you know dining differently. Uh, people were using DoorDash and Uber a lot more than whatever. I mean, I saw our numbers were climbing in some areas 25, 30% to go, where we were at 10% when we first opened 17 years ago. So I think, I think we have a lot. You know, again, I want everyone to be healthy. Uh, I want everybody to stay positive. I love talking to guys like Jeff. And, you know, he, he uh, you know, when you have a bad day and you, you talk to a friend and he's got that positive energy, it makes you feel good. But, you know, when you're in your stores and you see all that greatness and you do see those guests coming back and you see your regulars coming back in, there's nothing better. Um, so I, I hope to see more of our regulars, more uh, more dine in and, and a continued growth. And, you know, to Jeff's point, unfortunately, there are going to be some vacant restaurant spaces. And some of that's going to be opportunity not only for Grimaldi's and Fresh Brothers, but other brands that have stayed strong through this. And I'd like to see some growth and continued opportunity for people that did unfortunately lose their job and that Fresh Brothers and Grimaldi's or whoever can now give them the opportunity to come back to work in, you know, an industry that, you know, they say, what, 75% of all people at one point either started or worked in the restaurant industry. So if we can get those numbers back up, and uh, allow those who are out of work a, a job. I, I, I'd like to hope that we will be able to do that as well. That's great. Thank you guys so much for your time today. Any other last words? I'll say one more hope thing, uh, if I can. I, I hope that through all of this, as our team members, as all of our servers at Eric's restaurants, as we've all had a chance to kind of get through this all together, one of my hopes is that you know, our team members who, you know, I think have a little badge of pride on their chest about being deemed essential employees. I hope that they get looked at for the, the value that they create uh, and the experiences they provide to guests all across the restaurant industry, um, because there's a lot of people doing a really good, really good job. There's a lot of people doing some great work and creating some great stories and great memories. And, and, and I hope that, uh, once we get through all of this, that a lot of restaurant workers are looked at in a really positive light 
and are thanked for the job they've done throughout all of this because I, they think it's probably deserved. Agreed. More appreciation for our restaurant people. That's great. Agreed, Jeff. Well said. Thank you guys so much for your time today. Thanks so much for joining us on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Helen Jane Hearn, and I'm giving huge thanks to Jeff, Eric, and the National Restaurant Association Pizza Council for sharing their experiences. You can find us at restaurant.org slash podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast service like iTunes or Stitcher. Podcast produced by Dante32. This September, the National Restaurant Association is launching Meg Talks, short, impactful forums for the restaurant marketing community. These conversations will reflect how restaurant operators and suppliers are responding to immediate issues within the industry. Join us every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, starting September 8th, and 3 p.m. Eastern every Thursday through October 1st. Topics include, but are not limited to, local store marketing, data, menu changes, alcohol to go, leading and connecting from afar, and tech trends. Register today at restaurant.org.